It is said that the city of Mumbai in India is growing so fast that it would take planting 13 new churches every day just to keep pace with population growth. Cities around the world continue to grow at staggering rates. Too often, churches and cities are too busy going about business as usual. So how do we think about amplifying our church planting efforts in a city such as Mumbai or Kuala Lumpur? Massimo and I discuss his work in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, in recruiting and equipping church planters. I'm Michael Crane, and this is Mission City, a podcast about the urban revolution and how the church can serve the city. I'm a researcher and writer on the intersection of cities and the Christian faith. Massimo serves as an elder at Gospel City Church, a church that he co-planted. He is also the executive director of Gospel City Network. Along with his wife, Gloria, they are passionate about discipling young professionals to live out their faith in Jesus in a diverse city. Hi, Massimo. Hi. Thank you for being on Mission City Podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and how you met Jesus. Uh, Sure. Hi, I am Massimo. Grew up in six different countries. Malaysia, Singapore, Germany, China, Belgium, Switzerland. Living in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia since the last 20 years. I'm married to Gloria. Uh, we just uh, celebrated our three-year anniversary. My father is um, or was Italian. My mom is Malaysian. And it gets even more complicated than that. Uh, my mom is Portuguese Malaysian, uh, which means she is um, from a small little ethnic group here in uh, Malaysia, predominantly Malacca, which is uh, from Portuguese descent. So 15th century Portuguese people who came to Malaysia. So I'm going to assume that you speak Italian, Malay, and Portuguese? Absolutely not. Uh, no, I'm terrible with language. Growing up in all these countries, I only was able to pick up two really well, uh, which is English and German. So uh, German was probably the first language I spoke. Uh, my father, even though he was uh, Italian, grew up in Germany. So German was the language at home. And uh, ever since growing up in international schools after the age of uh, 12, it was English. And I think it's a beautiful picture of the, the layered cultural influences we can all have, but it's very, it's very distinct with you. Uh, yeah, I, I think the concept of, of home is a, is a strange <laughs> concept for me. Uh, the concept of nationalism or, 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 or nationalistic pride is something I, I, I don't have in that way. Or I, yeah. or I, or I pick and choose depending uh, on right. how I feel like. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, having grown up in five different countries, I completely understand. So tell tell us a little bit about how you met Jesus. Well, I, I grew up in a, in a non-Christian home. My mom actually came to faith living in China. While we were living in China, some people reached out to her there, and uh, she came to faith. I was uh, 
15, 16 at that time. I thought uh, she was mad, as in crazy mad, not angry mad. Uh, I grew up, people tell my parents telling me that the Bible is a, it's an interesting book to read, but don't take everything so literal. And next thing my mom told me was that uh, Jesus really walked on water. So that was mm. a, a, a strange experience for me. But I didn't make much of it. I was more involved in, in my own thing, uh, being 16 and um, ended up living a very colorful life. I got involved with, uh, with, with drugs and, and various things. Um, still did okay in school and uh, it was later on when when real heartache and real troubles in life started facing uh, coming at me that my social drug use became a, a an addiction so mm. i uh, i turned from um, uh, soft drugs to hard drugs uh, and was on meth for some time and at that point of time it was i was really bottomed uh, rock bottom uh, in my life and a friend of mine reached out to me just being a good friend eventually left me no choice but to ask the question why are you so different um, mm. And uh, that person pointed me to Christ. Eventually, I was interested to know more about uh, the God that she worshipped. And I started going to church. I moved back to my parents' house and listened to various sermons. And I think the the one thing that really caught my heart was a, a message that was preached. Um, that was in Malacca. And it was a message on apathy. Mm. And it was uh, saying that the opposite of love is not hate, but apathy. And why that really spoke to me is because I always thought I was a really good person until I realized that, because I didn't hate anybody, until I realized that I'm actually a terrible person because I don't really care about anybody. I just care about myself. Mm. And when I realized that, that I wasn't as good as I, as I thought I was, the message of grace suddenly made sense. Uh, before mm. it was just a concept, but now I was somebody who realized I need grace and I'm I can't save myself. And at that point, I think the penny dropped. And I realized that there is a God who loves me and cares for me. And he sent his son to die for me on the cross. And I somewhat grasped that message at that point of time. And God just gave me a passion for his word. And uh, I was able to quit drugs, wow. went sober overnight. Praise God. And yeah, found a passion for his word, started studying it. And uh, shortly after that, I was discipled by a, a church planter in the city and started going to seminary and then went to full-time ministry. Awesome. It's a good reminder, even though your mom had come to faith and was doing her part to persuade you or trying, that wasn't ultimately the person that connected to you. It was another friend. I think there are times when we leave other people alone thinking, you know, they've got a, a parent or a sibling or someone else that's talking to them. But I think we need to be intentional with all of our relationships and not leave it to others. Yeah, that's right. And um, there were multiple people involved, church members, pastors, small group leaders. There was a, a whole group of people who did not sit down together and have a grand master plan on how, right. to, how to bring Massimo to faith. But every one of them were worshiping Jesus in their capacity, in their way. In and God or, using that. And God used that. That's right. So well, I want to talk a little bit about where you are in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and also a little bit about what you do. Just tell us about Kuala Lumpur. What's unique about it? What do you, Massimo, love about it? Well, um, Kuala Lumpur is uh, it's the capital of Malaysia. I would call it a melting pot city. Um, it's culturally really diverse and complex. And when I say diverse and complex, it's just because within Malaysia itself, we have three predominant races, uh, which are Indian, Malay, and uh, Chinese. And well, or in the population uh, size, it would be Malay, Chinese, Indian in that in that 
in that way. And then lots of foreigners, a lot of migrant workers as well, uh, people from all over Southeast Asia who come here uh, to work as well. So we have lots of different nations, lots of different uh, people, but within Malaysia itself, just so many different races. And with those different races we talked about, everyone has very strong ethnic backgrounds and, and cultures that come with it and religions that come with it as well and, and faith. So it's, it's really complex. And if you add the layer of globalization to it, young people going overseas to study and coming back, that just creates really complex layers of cultures that are interweaving uh, with one another. So uh, even if you're thinking about, you know, contextualization, or if you're thinking about reaching people, um, it's not as straightforward as just thinking, oh, you know, this person's from a Buddhist background. No, this is a Buddhist in a Muslim nation who probably has lots of Hindu friends and has gone Western education. Who and maybe, watches you know, Korean dramas. And yeah, watches Korean dramas. And then <laughs> and then the Buddhism is not really Buddhism. It is like an animistic form of Buddhism. So it's it's, right. it's it's not something you can take from a textbook and say, ah, I know these people. You really have to be here. Uh, you have to engage a lot. You have to talk, to talk to people. You have to get to know them. So we try to figure out some kind of things to be able to understand uh, a particular people group. And um, so why do I love that? I mean, it seems complicated, but um, I guess for somebody who grew up in so many different countries, I, I, I feel I fit. The average person here is complex enough for somebody complex as me to feel normal. So <laughs> I, I, I love that about the city. And the standard answers are the food as well. Um, everybody comes here and loves the food, and I love the food here. And uh, just as... You have different cultural flavors. These flavors are uh, represented in the culinary offerings of the of the city as well. Yeah, and, and that's fantastic. What I love particularly about Kuala Lumpur, well, its diversity, but also its potential. Okay, I, I think it just has this potential of really represent what we see in Revelation: all peoples, all tribes, all tongues coming together and and worshiping Christ. And um, yeah. it's a broken city. I'm, I'm very sure from wherever people are listening in right now and uh, uh, hearing this, um, they will say, yes, my city's broken too. But in Kuala Lumpur, if you just could imagine, what would it look like when, when all this brokenness is gone, when Christ returns and when we see this city flourish for its fullest potential, I think it's just going to be a beautiful place with different people from different nations coming together, living together, working together for the glory of God. And that potential just really excites me. It wakes a passion in me just to to be able to see small glimpses of that as we do our work for God here in the city. And one of the, the things that I love, you know, because cities are broken because humans are, right? That's right. That work of healing that Christ has done in you, you can just multiply that throughout a city and imagine that possibility. Yeah, that's right. And I think it's a little bit of a city of hope. A lot of migrant workers come here to seek new mm -hmm. life. They're coming here because there's hope for them here or they're looking for hope here and i think it's just something very special that we can speak into and redirect people to the real hope that they need and where the real hope can be found that leads us very naturally into the next part which is what do you do what is your role with gospel city network and city to city asia pacific if I'm trying to get into a quick Jesus conversation, I would say I teach the Bible. Usually, if I want to sound more interesting, I would say I catalyze urban communities. That sounds, that's, if I'm more in a professional area, that sounds a bit more interesting. How I see my role is, is trying to start stuff for Jesus in the city. Okay. And I think wherever opportunity and ability that I have meets, that's where I try to catalyze a gospel movement. 
Um, that's very broadly said. I think specifically within uh, Gospel City Network, I mean, I, I serve as uh, the executive director. Uh, Gospel City Network is a affiliate network of City City Asia Pacific, and our primary focus is church planting and church revitalization or church renewal. And why, why I say these two categories is because we want to see flourishing churches, and flourishing churches could be churches that are uh, existing churches and help them flourish, or it could be the planting of new churches, and we believe that they actually are interlinked, that flourishing churches will plant new churches as well. So putting efforts in both these areas, and there's a lot of on-ramp that is required for that as well. There's lots of um, work that you have to do around that to be able to build connections and networks and trust and with churches to be able then to uh, support them, offer trainings or resources for them to then help train leaders uh, within the church and actually walk with them. And the same thing for church planters as well, to um, excite people for church planting to be a voice for church planting in Kuala Lumpur. Um, church planting, I would say, is not normative. In most circles, it's an afterthought. It's not a primary thought. Trying to be a voice for that as well. So that's with Gospel City Network. As I mentioned, it's a affiliate of City City Asia Pacific. So so a few weeks ago on the podcast, we had Brandon O'Brien, who's representing City to City or Redeemer City to City. Link us to that. What is City to City Asia Pacific? Sure. Let's call it the mothership, the one that started the work, you know, linked with Tim Keller's ministry and then trying to be a catalyst for church planting in Manhattan that grew into North America. And City Asia Pacific is then a is a regional affiliate network that oversees the work in uh, Asia Pacific. That means focusing on various countries, Malaysia, Thailand, Singapore, Japan, Korea, including Australia as well. And they oversee all the work there and they offer international trainings for church planters, which I was a participant in, in 2016. Yeah, So they oversee Asia Pacific and then as a regional network, uh, and provide uh, resources and training and coaching and also resources for network leaders like myself to help us grow and, and coach us along the way. And then Mal- Malaysia would be a sub-regional network um, or a country network. And uh, in Malaysia particularly, we call that Gospel City Network for contextual reasons so that we are able to translate that into the various language. Um, uh, Gospel City Network falls better off the lips in the other languages than you know, uh, Bandar Kabandar. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. okay, so uh Kuala Lumpur has as I understand it city to city has designated Kuala Lumpur to be a hub city. What's the strategy behind that? What what's the goal there? Well, I think where where the work of the gospel is going on and we're seeing potential for growth. We see gospel movements being catalyzed and growing and something is, is stirring. But at the same time these are influential cities, cities that are are uh, geographically located in such a way that are able to influence uh, surrounding nations. Um, I think Kuala Lumpur specifically, uh, with the amount of migrant workers, I think a quarter of the uh, labor force here is uh, is a migrant worker, just has a great potential to be a hub for the gospel, where the gospel can be shared with the lives of people and, and, and people can come to faith and go back to their home countries and mm. uh, be able to grow uh, God's kingdom in that way. So hub cities are cities where specific focus or additional focus uh, and additional resources are being put in to help to catalyze uh, the gospel movement that would naturally happen already just in a, in a faster speed because more resources are available. It has anything to do from staffing to resources to coaching uh, and strategy involvement with that. So if you think about in the language of you know alpha cities, uh, looking at alpha cities and trying to grow spiritual alpha cities. So alpha cities referring to kind of a ranking of global cities around the world. 
That's correct. Then trying to create a Alpha City that just has regional influence for the gospel in its area and to be a you know center of excellence, to be a, a, a center for coaching and training uh, where people can come in and be resourced uh, and strengthened and, and grow and to mm-hmm. bring that with it to their, to their own countries or to their own sub-regions. Now, are there other hub cities in the world? Yes, of course. London is definitely one of them. Dubai, I think, is possibly one. And then uh, Johannesburg or Gauteng region is one of them. Mumbai as well. This is something that was birthed in New York City. And Kuala Lumpur is completely on the other side of the world. And culturally, uh, a very different matrix of cultures combining there. What have you had to do to to kind of think through things for the Kuala Lumpur context that, that may be different from New York. We are also an urban city. So a lot yeah. of the things which talks about, you know, business, people in the marketplace, uh, similar idolatries that people uh, struggle with, similar problems in the uh, environment that people are living and, um, you know, commuting. And, and, and those things are all similarities, uh, I think, that we share with New York. Even the, the kind of media and content that people are listening to or watching uh, is very similar. But of course, the general culture of the people is very different. I say that not being somebody who knows much about New York, so uh, compare and contrast might be difficult because I do not know New York too well. Um, however, people, you know, being into the arts and and and, and mm. reading a lot and those things is something which is not uh, very common here. There's not a, a strong reading culture. Uh, so in forms of training, that's something we had to relook very strongly. Um, giving too much of pre-reading materials before we do training uh, does not be received well. I mean, of course, there are some people who do well with that, but uh, but generally, um, a lot more in-session training is more important. That's one aspect. The church planters and practitioners who come into our trainings um, come from a church background a lot of times where they've been told what to do. And they're following traditions or they're following certain ways on, on how things are being done. So having to help them a lot more to to break out the mold and try new things, I think is very, so and give people license for that is, I think, uh, very important in the trainings that we're doing here. So that they're able to see that, that things can be done in, in a different way. I assume that probably in New York that that might be lesser, uh, or at least some of the training materials that we have received that seem not to have been a, an emphasis. Also, just ecclesiological training. So what is the church? What's the function of the church? Church uh, membership. And, and those kind of topics, I think, are much more important here to um, get people thinking through these things as they're planting or revitalizing churches. Mm. So, yes, yeah, dealing with different people, even conversations, having in-class discussions is very different. We have to find ways where people feel more comfortable to vocalize their thoughts. Um, I think within the Asian culture as well, it's usually the teacher speaks and the students listens. So to actually have a bit more adult learning environment set up, there's a bit more work that you have to do around or break it into smaller groups with the people um, so that they feel more comfortable and that they're able to share and then process through the material together. I feel like we could probably spend the rest of our time just unpacking that, really. There are a lot of cultural elements in there uh, from both sides. 
That's right. Being somebody who came to Malaysia as a university student and then sitting in the classrooms in university, coming out of a European university, I saw my differences to the students. <laughs> right. uh, a teacher asked the questions, I would just start answering and start having discussions with, with people around me. And everybody was quite looking, why is Masimo talking again? So <laughs> yeah, these are kind of uh, the differences that I had to go through as I came into Malaysia. And I see the same things now in the training as well. You've also been involved in, in church planting at a personal level. So this is not something you're, you know, you've got this really wide angle lens on the whole city, city of eight to 9 million people. At the same time, you've also been working this out at the, just the most basic local level, right? Tell us a little bit about your, your church planting experience. I think the first experience was a congregational plant, being part of a larger Baptist church in Subang Jaya as a suburb in uh, Metro Kuala Lumpur, was tasked to start a young urban professional congregation. So I think that was the first time I got involved in really thinking, strategizing, what does it look like to put a uh, uh, to reach out uh, and disciple uh, people, particular people group uh, within a congregation. So I think that was my first experience, um, and it, it was very much like a church plant in the way that uh, you know started building a strategy, had a vision, uh, had a values that we created, built a core team, started meeting with the core team, thinking through with the core team on what this could look like. How do we um, get people? who are from within the church already to join this and then people outside the church walls to, to join and uh, what it would look like to be on mission or what it would look like to uh, be a place where this group of people can flourish, uh, where they can uh, come to know Jesus and grow in Christ. We called it the plant at 17. It, was, uh, it felt very hipster calling it that way. Yeah, so that was my first experience. And out of that, I think my passion for church planting just grew. And I, I just saw the potential and, and fell in love with, with, with that work. And then was sent by the church a while later to endeavor on an autonomous church plant. Yeah, and um, that was the second thing, which is now Gospel City Church, where I now serve as an elder still. And um, uh, it was also an interesting church planting environment. Uh, we, we came together as a group from, from different churches. Uh, so it was a co-planting, team planting experience. It wasn't that, that I was the main leader. I think we had we had a group of people who came together, and we kind of built a core team from there. And everybody brought in their strengths, and we we started planning and thinking through what it would look like to plant a church in an area which is in the Mid Valley area, which is right next to a huge shopping mall, mainly accessible for again people working professionals, and then thinking through what it would look like to to be salt and light in that particular area. And for um, yeah, those it was, of you from the U.S., Kuala Lumpur and many of the cities in Southeast Asia, a lot of life revolves around malls. They play a different role in the city than they do in than American cities. That's right. And the malls are not just malls. They're, they're many cities in a way that you have office spaces built around them. You have uh, hotels built around them. So people work condos. there. People play there. Condos. People live there. So uh, there's, there's a lot of life and movement around those areas. That was, I think, the primary church planting experience. Um, it was great. From there, having pre-launch services, just trying to innovate as much as we can, trying to rethink uh, church as much as we can uh, within the biblical frameworks, of course, and then launching off and um, starting off as nomads, didn't have a space, but thanks to the support of um, um, other churches, uh, one church particularly, we were able to use their space for a while. And um, after that, found our own space. Uh, it's a co-working space, so it's a it's a it's a space that we do not own. It's a space that we uh, rent on a Sunday, and then having to think through that logistically as well. Yeah, which is a pretty common story for urban church plants. 
because space is such a premium. That's right. Most space in a city needs to be multi-use, right? So you've had a couple of these church plants that you've been involved in. And I would say that first one, even though it's a church within the church, it's still got a lot of church planting dynamics to it. What are some key lessons you learned along the way? Take your time. I'm somebody who likes to rush things and just get things done. Um, if I can go back in time, I probably would have wanted to um, uh, not launch as, as quickly as we did. If we had been able to sit a bit longer in, in, in the house churchy format, small group format of the core team and just work things longer through, I think it would have been great. Um, as soon as you launch... Everything becomes service orientated. The conversations shifted from, hey, how are you doing, brother? You know, you're um, a work group. Yeah, suddenly we're like, hey, is this done? <laughs> so everything becomes very task orientated. So you eventually have to get there. A bit longer would have been better. I think, secondly, um, just being willing to try, try lots of things. And it's a combination of being willing to innovate and being willing to fail. And so trying various things from seating arrangements to uh, the way you, the order of worship uh, to, the, to, to the various elements that I think biblically you need to have in there. But uh, sometimes we're so used to a particular format just because everybody does it or just because culturally we, we, we are used to this particular format. And you did that in both of those plants, right? I mean, you... You tweaked and tried to change things up a little bit in both situations, right? Yeah, and I think tweak is probably the better word than change things up. I, I guess <laughs> now I would be, if I would venture out again, I would be more daring even to, to change yeah. things even more. Uh, I think a lot of it was fear what happens if we tweak it or change it up too much. But the reality is to realize that it's only Christians who would even know that you have changed things up. If you're actually focusing on reaching people who do not know Christ, who have never been to a church, they won't come with a prejudice or judgment. So you can actually innovate in something that really uh, works for them. Again, I mean, I want to say that clearly within the biblical framework of what it means to be church, what it means to preach the word, what it means to worship, what it means to have com uh, community, evangelism within these frameworks. But I think being willing to innovate and try things from sermon length through the way a worship flows. I think there's lots of things that we can try out, which doesn't compromise biblical truths, but yeah. actually helps people to relate to those truths. And we actually removing cultural barriers from people so that they, do, that they are able to actually focus on Christ and the good news. Bible actually gives us a lot of freedom in that regard, right? Yeah. The principles are pretty clear, but then how you put those principles into practice in your city could vary considerably. Things that I thought were a good idea and might be a good idea for a particular time are not such a good idea for uh, a later stage in a church plant. That means understanding the different stages of a church plant, understanding mm. the different stages that you're in, that you might have to change things up and be ready to include the new voices and the new people that have that God has brought into your plant. So uh, as you're growing, people will come into your plant. And of course, as you're trying to uh, share the DNA and the focus and, and, and the vision and the mission of the church, they bring a different voice and they bring a different element and they bring a different gift into the church too. And yeah. being ever ready and willing to include them uh, and let them shape the church uh, as well, I think it's really helpful. And that requires a little bit of letting go of control but rather more of a directing in that way. And I think that's, that's really helpful to see things grow and move. Yeah. So you're, you're looking at this wide angle lens on the city and then you're also an elder in a local church. That's hard to balance. 
how do you look at that in terms of balancing the the particular and the the kind of the big role? They are different. Me being an elder of a particular local church within a denominational framework and a, and a particular theology and a particular conviction is different than the work I do as a network leader or on a citywide level, which is much broader, much more inclusive, much more collaborative. And sometimes there is tension in my own mind between those two things. I just have to be clear on which hat you're wearing at what particular yeah. time. You need to have clarity Clarity about your convictions. Clarity um, internally, meaning for you. That, 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 that's mean? correct. Yes. I need to have a, a good, strong theological triage in my own mind, understanding what things am I convicted about, which I would teach and preach in the local church that I serve, and being absolutely comfortable to have very strong convictions in that. But then the wider I go, letting go of some of those convictions and then focusing on on particular things, which are focusing on more main Christian views on the gospel theology and things where things we, we have in common within the city, within denominations as well. So having good clarity is important. Understanding yourself. So looking at how God has wired you and how you process things and how you think. If you wake up in the morning and you're thinking about a particular people group or a particular peoples, and you just have a passion and a burden to reach them for Christ, it could be that maybe God has wired you to really be in part of a local church plant and work things out for Christ in, in, in that way. If I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking about how can I start new stuff in a city? I think God has wired me in that way. And being comfortable with how God has wired us and, and how we think and how we process things. doesn't mean that you can't do either or. It's just probably where your passion lies and where your focus lies. Where do you actually have opportunities right now to serve Christ in the capacity that you have that will be most beneficial mm -hmm. for growing God's kingdom? And probably last thing, God is sovereign. So maybe your story, looking back, how has God shaped you? Over the years, if I look at my own story, God has shaped me in a way that I moved in different countries. My father was somebody who set up factories. So starting new stuff was part of the daily dinner conversation. So yes, they're different. And I think everybody would um, have to converse with others and talk through and really have clarity in your own mind about what you want to achieve. So what are some things that you're trying to do in Kuala Lumpur? A lot of people from a Christian background, they can understand pastoring a church. They can understand even starting a new church. But then you say, I'm trying to see churches started throughout the city, then it's suddenly, it's like a, just a blank look on their face, right? It's a combination of seeing and responding and trying to start and initiate. And why it's a combination? Because God is doing something in the city. I have a strong conviction that God is doing something in the city. It is uh, part of my job to try to figure out what is he doing and try to then come alongside and maybe work around these things and respond to that. The difference between planting a church and planting a city, it has similar elements, but there's differences in the way that you have to go around and really try to help people and, and support other people's visions and other people's dreams and other people's passions and help them flourish rather than your personal one, which means that you don't have much control mm. over things. You are dependent on other people's efforts and passion. 
you're doing more of a coaching and supporting and exciting and casting vision and direction role. You have to be very careful at the same time not to be then the person doing all these things because you will eventually run out of capacity to run all these projects. Yeah. So, so I think helping people be clear, helping people to take their vision and passions and, and help them lay it down into what, what would practically work and encouraging and walking alongside with them, resourcing them. Also building bridges, connecting people together that might usually not connect. And that also connecting local people with the global church as helping people receive resources, whether it's funding or training. Yeah. Now, listeners that may have an interest in reaching cities around the world, what do you want to say to them? To have that clarity is something that you often can't do by yourself. You need outside voices to help you and speak into these things and ask questions. So, so in a way, um, to get good clarity, you need some sort of kind of accountability and the accountability, you need that probably within your church and then outside of the church as well, so that you have people who are outside a particular framework uh, speaking into your life as well and help create a clarity. How have you found that? I mean, I, I think a lot of people might say, I want that, but I don't know how to get that. God has been gracious to me. Maybe I'm a little bit thick-skinned. I ask for it. I think that needs to be emphasized, right? Is I don't, I don't know if it's the thick-skinned element. It's the asking for it. If we look at Jesus going and selecting out his disciples, and we're thinking somebody's going to come along and pick me out, and I'm going to put my net down and go yeah. at that point. But you yeah. did a little bit of the opposite direction. You went and sought some people out. Yeah, once I had a, a passion or a vision, I think I, I go around and I ask people who I know have more knowledge than me, have more experience than me, and I ask for their time. I ask for their input. I ask for if I could process something with them. It helps me grow. It helps me learn not just their information, but how they think. And learning how people think, people who have much more knowledge and much more experience, and learning from them and getting a glimpse of of how they make decisions or how they process through things, I think is so important. That grows in my heart, at least, a, a humility as well. And where I recognize how they process things and and you can see people who have done great things in different ways and they process things differently. That also lets me dare to go out and try things differently because I've heard maybe five or six people who have done great things in different ways. So it shows me that's not just one way to do things. I think another thing what would be helpful is whatever vision you have, think beyond yourself. It's maybe the, the cliche, have a, have, a, have a God-sized vision, but if you're trying to get things started in a city, I am very self-aware that what, what I do in the local church will not save the city. What I do in my private sharing of the gospel will not save the city. Even what we do as a network will not change the city completely by itself. It would take multiple networks, multiple people, multiple churches to slowly start transforming the city. I can collaborate and I can also rejoice in things which I'm not participating in because the goal is beyond myself. That takes sometimes a bit of a, a putting down your own pride. 
because maybe you have a great idea and then somebody else does it. <laughs> and uh, you just have to recognize, hey, if somebody else is doing it, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. And rather all the resources and support that you've gathered, pass it to them so they can do it. And then rejoicing in that because the vision is beyond yourself. The vision is for, for the kingdom, for the city. That's um, so hard to implement, isn't it? It is a pride destroying <laughs> exercise. And I struggle with that at times. And I need to preach the gospel to my own heart. And I need to find ways to keep myself humble. I think the, the, the message I keep on trying to tell myself, it's not about you, Massimo. It's about Christ. It's about the kingdom. And, mm. um, you know, it's not about making your name great. It's about making his name great. Reminders we all need. I appreciate your vulnerability in that. Uh, final question. For those interested in planting churches in cities, what are some resources that you would point them towards? If you are in a city where there's a city-city network, get connected to them. I, I think that'd be really helpful. The training for church planting and even for church revitalization, things that they have offered, I think is great. There's been some great work done to contextualize it from an American background to an Asian background, if you're in an Asian city. Even in Europe as well, they have a Europe arm that's doing some great work trying to think through what it means in Europe. There's South America and Africa too. In various continents, there's some great work going on, trying to get connected there. It's participating in, in the training, but also just having a fellowship of people who are doing the same things and actually able to actually converse with them and talk through them and receive some coaching or, or peer counseling or just friendships is really helpful. Look up if there's a city network available in your city or in your country or write to Redeemer. I think they will be able to point you to somebody there. If not, then maybe another network uh, or that's a, or another group as a resource. I think that's just really, really helpful to mm. not walk this path by yourself as well. Center Church is a great book to, to think through. And, uh, and when Tim I say Keller. think by Tim Keller, yeah, the most thing you're going to get out of that book is actually taking it and discussing it with pastors and a few others in the city together and to see what applies and what doesn't apply and what it looks like for your city. I think that's how you're going to really get the most out of that book for mm. you than just, just studying it by yourself, actually conversing and making conversations with people around that book. I think it's going to be really, really helpful. City-Shaped Churches, great book to read. Lots of essays and, and, and mini chapters there. <laughs> that, that book could probably be like a resource book. I mean, it might not just be a, a front end to end cover we're reading, but actually looking at the various topics in there, I think, and then picking them out, I think is helpful. So that's, uh, the, that's a book that uh, a previous guest, Linda Brookwist, and I wrote together. So, yeah, well, thanks for the promo there, Massimo. Yeah, no, yeah that too. Lots of Bonhoeffer stuff has helped me, like Life Together, A Cost of Discipleship, really, really Dietrich helpful. Bonhoeffer, and, yeah. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, yes. Uh, I think as, and as, Massimo uh, can read it in the German or the English. Uh, that's right. And I, I, I have read chapters in both languages. Uh, <laughs> um, but also just to uh, help think movement-wise and things or help you sometimes think differently. I've read some Neil Cole stuff, Church 3.0, for example. So read people from outside your tribe. Talk to people outside your tribe and talk to pastors and planters all around. Have conversations. Don't be just an inviter, but be a goer. Mm. Um, go to things. Go to things that other Christians are doing in the cities, that other networks are doing in the cities. They are probably going to surprise you with how much they love Jesus. Working together with them will just bring you, refresh your passion, your joy for Christ, and you'll be surprised on how much you can learn and grow from actually talking to people who are different than you. That's a, a great way to finish. We need that reminder. I think a lot of the 
the built up divisions between us is because we are so busy stereotyping one another that we're not actually listening to one another and hearing some sincere attempts and sincere desire to know Christ and make Christ known among brothers and sisters in the faith. Thank you, Massimo, for taking the time to be with us. My pleasure to be here. Thanks once again to Massimo for being a guest on this episode. If you have questions or input for the podcast, you can write us at missioncity at radiusglobal.org. Mission City is hosted by me, Michael Crane, and produced by Radius Global Cities Network and Scott Slusher. Today's episode was written by me and Scott Slusher. Thanks for listening. We would absolutely love it if you would take a moment to share it with others and take a moment to leave us a review on whatever you use to listen to podcasts. It can really help us get the word out to others. Until next time, love your cities well.